Chapter 7 The Young Stallion Thoughtfully, Pete rode back to camp. How in the world could he single-handedly keep the Mustangs from turning back into the sand? If he could stay out on the dunes, and if he had a horse that could race on the sand as fast as the Mustangs could on the hard earth, he might do it. But that was impossible. Nor was it possible to extend the trap further. It would take weeks of work to cut and carry all the stakes needed to set up a string fence on the sand. Maybe he just couldn't do the job alone. Perhaps he'd have to ask help from the ranch. Even Aunt Clara could do the trick, standing at the right place and waving her gingham apron. Pete shook his head. He wasn't going to let anyone at the ranch know about all this. Then suddenly he had an idea. What about Old Chief? The dog couldn't run, but he could bark. And he'd be certain to bark if he saw a band of horses racing toward him. Maybe if Pete stationed Old Chief just at the right place where the horses had escaped today, the dog would turn them back, straight into the trap. He decided it was worth trying. Briskly now, Pete unsaddled Raindrop and tethered the weary horse where he could graze. Then, filling his pockets with raisins and cold biscuits, he set off on foot to find Hatsy, who he was sure would be waiting at the box canyon. Hatsy! Pete called as he approached the gate. Fine sight you are, Hatsy called back, climbing out from the chokecherry bush beside the gate. You go off on my apple Lucy to bring in a bunch of mustangs and then you come back here afoot? What's the matter? Those wild horses spook you? Pete explained what had happened as the old man squatted down cross-legged and resumed work on a pair of new moccasins he'd brought along to make while he was waiting. Then Pete told him his idea about old chief. Well, that might be worth trying. Hatsy said. But what you gonna tell Lem and Clary? I'll figure out something, Pete replied. Can I borrow Polka Dot and start right now? We ought to let Raindrop rest. You can ride back to camp and I'll climb aboard there. Hatsy agreed, and by early afternoon, Pete was back at the ranch again. I declare, Aunt Clara exclaimed. I didn't expect to see you so soon. Anything wrong? Pete tried his best to look serious as he told the story he'd made up. Hatsy asked me to do a chore last night and I forgot. Now we're in a jam. He told me to put both the saddles in the wagon where they'd be up out of reach of the skunks. It slipped my mind and so this morning we found that skunks had been eating the latigo straps. They chewed them off the cinches on both saddles and ate them on or dragged them or, or something away. Hatsy only had one spare strap in the wagon so that means we can only ride one horse at a time i thought i thought maybe i could borrow a couple of new ones from uncle lem aunt clara scolded him a little for his carelessness while she warmed up a meal for him uncle lem came in presently and pete repeated the tale yo not the first cowboy has been set afoot by a skunk uncle lem said there's something special about latigo straps that them vomits can't stay away from I'll get you a couple of extras from the shed. While Uncle Lem was digging out the straps, Pete told him there was something else he'd like to have. He'd like to borrow Old Chief, just in case he forgot about the saddles again. Uncle Lem looked at Pete for a minute, then he grinned a little, as if he'd been told the moon was made of green cheese. But he said only, If it's all right with Clara, I guess you can. Aunt Clara agreed to the proposal. 
It does anybody good to get a little mountain air, she said. But if you bring that dog smelling of skunk, I'll make you sleep out on the range the rest of the summer. How are you going to carry him? Uncle Lamb asked. He hasn't walked seven miles in the last ten years. He's small even if he is fat, Pete said. I could carry him in front of me on the saddle in that big grape basket hanging in the shed. At first, Old Chief wasn't happy in the basket, but the rhythmic motion of Polka Dot's slow walk made him doze off after a while. By sundown, Pete and Chief arrived at camp. Pete's own empty stomach reminded him with a sudden jolt that he'd not considered how they'd feed the dog. He confessed his worry to Hatsy, who was fussing around the Dutch oven near the fire. There's enough rabbit here in the pod for the three of us. Providing that you don't make a pig of yourself, the old man said. How'd you get a rabbit? Pete asked. Same way anybody gets a rabbit without shooting it, Hatsy replied. I caught it in a snare. It's all good eating, too. You don't have to worry about picking buckshot out your teeth. Chief will make out all right. You don't have to fear about that. Confidently, Pete set off on Raindrop after supper. Hatsy agreed to take Chief out on the dunes at first light of dawn and tie him there. He'd drag a log out at the same time, big enough so Chief couldn't get away. If Pete missed the horses, he would bring Chief back to camp with him. In any case, it wouldn't hurt the dog to spend a few hours by himself on the warm sand. It didn't get uncomfortably hot till midday, and by that time they'd be sure to come and get him. But for the next three days, Pete didn't even catch a glimpse of the horses coming out of the sand for their early morning drink. The second and third day he stayed high on the mountainside and caught sight of them far out in the dunes. They were huddled with their heads drooped. I've never seen such goings on. Hatsy said finally when Pete brought back Chief into the camp. Those mustangs can't be getting much grass. They're out there on the sand so long, but they'll be losing strength. And they should be easier to round up when you get the chance. Something sure spooked them. But I don't think we did all of it. We've been mighty quiet. Something else scared them. On the fourth morning, Pete was patiently watching at the same point where he'd spent the first night. As day began to reach down the mountainside below him, he saw some motion in the dim light along the edge of the dunes. In a moment, he realized that they were his mustangs seeking a watering place. Tense with excitement, Pete urged Raindrop down the slope. He could not fail now. Just as he had done the first time, he outflanked the horses, first getting behind them on the dunes, then circling above them, and then following them down toward the creek. The horses moved more slowly than before, Pete thought. His stallion was there, and he seemed fresher than any of the others. The lead stallion did not even turn to look back, but kept on doggedly toward the creek. Now Pete urged Raindrop down off the dunes onto hard ground, too. With Old Chief wading out in the sand, he could make a bold dash up behind the herd. As the thirsty animals plunged ankle-deep into the creek and began to drink, Pete put Raindrop in a gallop, waving his slicker, he charged right down toward them. Instantly, fear overcame thirst and the Mustangs turned back towards the protecting dunes. And then Old Chief's bark came from one of the first ridges in the dunes. Pete could hear his yapping above the moaning of the sand. At the top of a ridge, the horses stopped. 
They milled and hesitated. Chief was doing just what Pete had expected. Suddenly the old stallion turned and led the herd directly into the mouth of the funnel. For the moment, Pete had them exactly where he wanted them. His only job was to keep them traveling on into the funnel. If they swerved either to the left or to the right, they would run into the string fence, and by staying below them, he could push them on toward the box canyon. The only danger was that they might turn and run back straight for the dunes. Pete remembered where the fence was and gauged his position carefully. Although he kept behind and below the Mustangs, the lead stallion suddenly swung in almost a half circle and made a break towards open country. Pete used his spurs on Raindrop for the first time, forcing the horse into a full gallop across the rough ground which lay between him and the string fence. He had to turn those Mustangs. In a moment he knew he'd done it. He eased up on Raindrop as the Mustangs swung a little to the right which brought them closer to the string fence. Pete was near enough to see what happened when they charged toward the fluttering colored rags. The lead stallion pulled up short, reared back, and snorted. The young stallion, the mares, and colts milled in a frenzy of confusion before the unexpected barrier. Then they turned back into the canyon, heading into the trap. The ground here was rough and covered with brush, making it difficult for the band to keep close together. The young stallion was to the left with several mares pushing along near him. Suddenly, as if he sensed the trap, the old stallion darted sharply to the right. Most of the mares followed him. Before the young stallion and the mares near him sensed the change in direction, Pete spurred Raindrop in between the two groups of Mustangs. Swinging his slicker, he frightened the small group led by the young stallion straight on near the box canyon. Pete no longer cared about the large group. The horse he wanted was still ahead, running into the trap. The north bank of the creek had less underbrush and the horses raced along there as best they could. Then they cut sharply to the left and up towards higher, freer ground. Pete could not head them off here. He could only hope that the string fence worked. He kept his panting horse below and behind while the Mustangs headed up the hill. In no time there was a sharp whinny of fear as the Mustangs saw another fluttering line of rags ahead. They swerved again, thundering along inside the string with its bright-colored bits of cloth. On and on the horses went, splashing down into the creek and across. Pete still came at them from below. The mouth of the funnel was narrowing. It was now or never. One lunge through that string and the whole chase would be spoiled. Pete moved as steadily behind the band as he could, but kept well back to be ready to head them off if they turned. At the entrance to the box canyon, they hesitated. The young stallion looked back. There on either side were the lines of fluttering rags, and between them rode Pete waving his slicker, heading off any retreat. The stallion turned and fled into the corral, with three mares close behind him. Now Pete saw the top bar of the corral slide into position. Hatsy had done his part of the job. The rest of the mares came to a frightened, panting halt in front of the bar. Pete reined in and turned to the left behind them as Hatsy slipped the other two bars into place. A moment later, Hatsy stepped from behind the chokecherry bush, swung his sombrero, and started the free Mustangs back down the canyon toward the sand dunes. It was a lucky break that only four had entered the small crowd before Hatsy closed it off. Pete turned Raindrop for a moment back down the canyon, shouted and waved his slicker to make sure the mares were on their way to rejoin the band on the dunes. Then he rode to the corral and jumped off to join Hatsy, who was watching the wild-eyed, frightened creatures inside the gate. Pete was only interested in the young stallion, who moved nervously about. 
his chest heaving, his sides flecked with foam. The mares just stood with their heads down, panting, feet spread. Hatsy swung off the top rail of the gate, rope in hand. Quick, son, he said. See if you can dab your rope on the stallion's head. Make your cast from up on top of that rock over on the left. And be careful to snub around a tree, otherwise you'll get pulled down into the corral. I'll make another cast from the gate here and snub around a gate post. We want to make sure he don't get away when we turn them mares loose. It was easy enough for Pete to just drop his loop over the Mustang's head. But the horse reared with such sudden terror when he felt the rope strike his neck and then tighten that Pete was nearly jerked off the rock before he got the rope snubbed. As the rope slid through his bare hands, Pete made a lunge sideways and brought it across the trunk of a tree he had planned to snub on. The added friction on the rope gave him the help he needed. Now he could just stand there and let it out or take it up as Hatsy directed. Hatsy crawled through the gate bars and Pete saw him build a loop and just hold it quietly at his side. Then in a flash, as the horse reared back and struggled against the rope on his neck, Hatsy swung the lariat low from the ground and caught the horse's two front feet. In no time, Hatsy was back through the bars and the stallion was securely caught by both his neck and forefeet. The two ropes pulled him and held him close to one side of the corral. He stood there, helpless, quivering. The mares milled in terror over the far side of the corral. Hatsy tied his rope and then pulled out the bars of the gate and called to Pete to haze the mares out of the corral. Pete made his rope fast and scrambled around the rim of rocks to where the mares stood below him. He waved his hat. This new frightening motion sent the mares streaming out of the gate down the hill toward the sand dunes. Hatsy replaced the bars. Now we're going to ease up on our ropes. Give the horse plenty of slack, he called. Pete did as he was told, and in a second the stallion was free and had fled to the far side of the corral away from his captors. Pete and Hatsy leaned on the bars and looked at the magnificent animal. You got a good horse, Hatsy said, and you did a good job getting him. Pete didn't answer. He was tired and happier than he had ever been in his life.